0: And so before I start reading, so uh, so when I was doing the studying stuff, so when I first started uh, studying this part uh, last week, since God basically changed my message last second <laughs> and gave me a week in advance, and um, then Sunday night the pastor comes up to me and be like, pretty much, oh yeah, you're going to preach Sunday? Uh, you have anything ready? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I just started this. I'll have it done. So, so I was thinking about the uh, hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer. So there's a lot of... Uh, good parts in that song, so I was thinking about one of the lines in it, and so it says, in seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief, right? And so, James 5.13 tells us a lot about this stuff. So, I'm going to read 13 through 20 real quick, and then we'll go to prayer, and then I'll start with my message. And so, James 5.13 says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Yeah. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let him pray Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults to one another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like compassions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained out on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth brought forth her seed, brought forth for fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Amen. So, uh, Lord, help me t- today, Lord. Uh, Fill me with the Spirit, Lord. Help me say the right things, Lord. And help me not to get in the way today, Lord. And uh, pray that people here open their ears and their eyes. And uh, they apply this that you have for them to their heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, James 5.13. So, basically, so, is any among you afflicted? So, afflicted, affliction, it means suffering, misfortune, and hardship. And so basically, he's telling anyone that's afflicted, let him pray. Take it the prayer. And so basically, take it to the Lord when you have hardship. Yeah. And there's a lot of other verses in the Bible that will tell you this. Like 1 Peter 5:7, Casting all your care upon him, for he care for you. Matthew 11:28, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Guess what? When we are spiritually weak and afflicted we go to prayer that's where the first place we need to go we often don't really go there first we usually you know go there second or third maybe 10th or 20th (laughs) so we do a lot of other things instead of going there first like we should oftentimes we think oh yeah we can just solve our problems ourselves or some ungodly person can help us solve that problem and we often don't take it to the Lord. And it doesn't, it just gets worse. The affliction only gets worse. Yeah. And if we take it to the Lord, he said, I will give you rest. Jesus Christ said that. And so he will give rest and refresh us from our problems. That's what the word rest means. It means refresh, take ease. And so Christ, he gives us this refreshment and this take ease from our problems and our afflictions when we take it to him. And... He gives us a peace. And so one one way I like to think about this is so, right, usually at night we're pretty tired, right? That's why we go to bed. And so we are physically here. I'm talking more physically. I'm not really talking spiritually right now. But so when we're tired at night, we are physically tired and we're ready to go to sleep. And so if we don't use any alarms or anything like that because alarms mess up it. Anything. If you have a terrible sleep schedule, the alarm's going to wake you up and you're going to be really tired just because that's how our bodies work. And so when you go to sleep at night, not using an alarm clock, you wake up in the morning and you feel all refreshed and all awake again. And you have this energy once you wake up in the morning. And that's kind of how it is when we take our problems to God. We are heavy. Our spirits are heavy and we're laden. And then when we take it to Him. He has now refreshed us and gave us a peace. Yeah, Amen. And, yeah. And so, now real quick, so, then after this, so, I decided to look a little bit into the life of James. And so, a little bit more about James, the uh, person that wrote this under the inspiration of God with the Holy Spirit. So, James wrote the disciple of James, and he was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And... He became a leader in the church. He was a leader of the Jerusalem church. And so there's a, there's a little bit about his life through the Gospels It tells us a little bit. And there's a little bit in uh, Corinthians that tells us about his life in Acts because he did a lot in the Jerusalem church. And so I want to take a quick little small glance into his life. And so, also, this letter, James, is basically a how-to book. It's for Christian living. That's what they call it. Or that's what a lot of people say it's known as. It has a lot of great advice in the book. There's a lot to help uh, Christians grow with their relationship with God, just like all the books do. And math, so basically, a quick thing in the James' life. So, James, so we figure out that he's the half-brother right here. James thirteen fifty five is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren James and jo- Joseph and Simon and Judas. Jesus came into his own country, Nazareth. This was at the area of Nazareth, and he was raised as Luke four sixteen tells us. He was taught. He taught, and were astonished in Matthew thirteen uh, fifty four when he was teaching to him in the synagogue. That's the reason why they asked if he was the carpenter's son because they didn't expect it they didn't expect Jesus to start teaching because he was a carpenter's son, and carpenter's sons aren't really the best educated at the time they were probably more on the lower side, but because jesus Jesus's father was God that's the reason why James could only be a half brother yeah. so and since Jesus was born of a virgin Mary, so God was the father and that's how basically James calls, is considered a half-brother. And so John 7, uh, so basically Matthew 13, 57 tells us that the people of Nazareth got offended at him after he astonished them because they, they were just so marveled and astonished at him. And so John 7, 5 tells us a little bit more about John's state of belief at the time during Jesus' ministry, and this was about the two and a half year point of the ministry. And so John 7, 5 says, for neither did his brethren believe in him. So at this point, two and a half years into the ministry, James did not believe that Christ was the Son of God yet. He did not, he didn't really believe that, even though he saw all the miracles and stuff, he didn't just yet believe he didn't he didn't believe yet that's the best part so James doubted God yeah. but then he came to know him as Lord and Savior and then one thing is so uh, and so we might reject him once or you know n- not accept him as a savior as the first chance that the spirit convicts us about it but just like James James got a second chance yeah and God is a giver of many chances yes. and you. And if you're here today and you're unsaved and God's been dealing with you about it and that you need to repent, I urge you to repent yeah. because yeah. James soon came to believe that Christ came to this earth as the Son of God and lived a perfect life. There was no blemish in him Amen. and he died on the cross for the sins of the world Amen. and then he died and then he rose again and then while so. James, while Jesus was, before he just went up to heaven and ascended there, when, he was run, when Jesus was running around on the earth. So James is one of the people that actually got to see the resurrected Jesus. And uh, 1 Corinthians 15.7 tells us this. After he was seen of James and then of all the apostles. So James is one of the uh, many, or I would say few people, that got to... Uh, see that. And then James comes to accept Jesus, his half-brother, as Lord and Savior. Yeah, that's right. And so, and then God starts to work with him. God starts to use him a lot. So, Acts one thirteen, it tells us that he was with the disciples now in an upper room. So, now he's with the disciples, and now he is with, now he's worshiping the Lord and starting to grow and also, James is one of the people in Acts two that got to experience the Pentecost. Uh, the Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit comes into when the Holy Spirit first comes, and there was speaking in tongues, and it was a great. It's one of the great miracles in Acts. And so, James becomes the leader of the Jerusalem Church. he is one of the big leaders, and he became a godly man. He was walking in the ways of the Lord. And he was a former doubter and rejecter of Christ. And then he accepts Christ by faith, and then he keeps walking by faith in his life. Because it wouldn't be no easy thing to become a leader of the Jerusalem church, where Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Christian church, faced a lot of persecution. It's believed in a historian's document that James most likely died from persecution. That was, that's what they believed his death was from. And so James was the liver by faith. He lived his life by faith and he kept stepping out when Christ kept telling him to do a little bit more. And he trusted God and God, he had, he had a great life. And so James, in James 1.1, 1, 1, he introduces himself as a servant of God yeah, that's right. and of the Lord Jesus. And now... So James basically came to realize, and, and we're all servants of God. That's one thing that James tells us <laughs> from just that part. And so he, and this letter is for, so the 12 tribes are more for a Jewish area, for people that got scattered, or in the Jerusalem church. And he also, another thing is, he humbled his life before God and lived a life of following the Lord. And yep, and so I'll go back to James 5.13 now, our little commercial break about the life of James. And so, is any Mary, let him sing psalms. Yeah. So basically, James is saying here, is any Mary, let him sing psalms. Mary means to be cheerful, have joy, and... Yep. And so James is saying, if anyone is joyful... And wants to praise the Lord, and be glad in the Lord and cheerful, let him. Yeah, and so, right. Psalms 33, 1 through 2, says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely and the upright. Praise the Lord with, <laughs> with harp, seen unto him with the psaltery, and an instrument of ten strings. So, comely. So praises comely for the upright. So comely means justified and suitable. So suitable, since suitable is not really a common word, I should probably define that. Suitable is right or appropriate, and justified means defended and appropriate also. So basically, praise is appropriate. Right. Praise yeah. is right. Praise is justified. Yeah. And praise is suitable. So basically, it's saying right here, we need to praise the Lord. It's something that's going to help us. And so, we need to be thankful for what God has done for us. Often, it's very easy because we live in a fast-paced society, but look right past everything God done for us, and worry about the next thing that's ahead, the next problem we have to counter. And so, we need to be thankful for what he's done for us, what he's taken us from, what he's already done for us. Yeah. And and give thanks always for all things unto God. <laughs> we need to, be, yeah. And so one thing I was thinking about when a Brother Preston was talking. So we have our First Amendment right, the right to religion, right? But, it's, but if you start thinking about it, it's a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And it's a praise that God gave us this right that we have it's it's really, we have started to take it for gra- granted as a right. It's really just a privilege that we need to be thankful for God that we have the privilege to come here. Yeah. And we often, it's easy to look right past that one. And there's there's many things. <laughs> and like another thing is, every single time God adds a day into our life, because we are promised tomorrow. The Bible tells us yeah. that pretty clear. And so if God adds another day to our life, we need to praise him for it. Amen. And and there's many things. It should be a praise if God gives us another day. We can praise him for his mercy and his grace. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. We can praise him for his truth and his righteousness. We can praise him for his love. We can praise him that he sent Jesus Christ down to the earth to die for our sins. (laughs) And guess what? Praise him for his judgment. That his ways are higher than ours. Amen. Good. And that he takes care of our affliction and he takes care of our problem. But often we forget. Well, there was this one survey just about prayer alone. And so it asked many American Christians, how, how many minutes a day do you, would you say you pray? And the average one said five minutes, which is not a good thing. Even, even if it was five minutes, but it was probably less. But often, often we forget. Which, guess what? When we forget, it takes the joy from us. It takes the cheer from us. When we forget to even just praise the Lord. the Think about it. That was five minutes. Think about it. Most of that time was probably just supplication and praying requests. Not praising the Lord. If praising the Lord was probably, it would probably be lucky even if that survey said it was just a minute of praising the Lord. And so, guess what? When we forget to praise the Lord, we lose our joy, and we become just like everyone else, where they're always stressed out, they're always afraid of something, and they're always fearful of what's next. And so, then, so if we rejoice and praise the Lord, then that can allow... Then, if we forget to praise the Lord... That can allow the devil to try to tell us that the problem is bigger than God. The affliction we're going through is bigger than what God can do. But the truth is, it's the other way around. God is bigger and he's greater than the affliction. And so we need to remember to rejoice and praise God for everything he's done for us. Because he's done so much and we often forget. And so now the verse 14. Is any is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, and let him let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And so, one thing is so the oil by itself has no power. That's right. But guess what? There's power in the prayer. And guess what? There's power. The oil, because it's in the name of the Lord, has power. Because in the name of the Lord, all things are possible. Right. Yep. And so, guess what? Because the oil is in the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord allows us to have an impact. And so, and the other thing is the prayer of faith. And so, we got to believe that God is able to heal. When When the elders of the church are praying, that prayer of faith, we got to be able to believe that he can heal. Because only God can heal. And also, if God chooses not to heal and this person is saved, guess what? They're going to a better place. (laughs) They're going to a way better place. And so, and guess what? Another thing to be thankful for. Jesus hears and makes intercession on our behalf. That's what the Bible says. And so Jesus is hearing our prayer and he makes intercession to the Father on our behalf. So think about it. When we ask for prayer of the sick, guess what? And if we believe by faith that he can do it, Jesus Christ will hear it and then he'll tell God the Father about it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's just some <laughs> And that Jesus loves us that much. Yeah. So now on the verse 16. So verse 16, I believe is one of the more challenging parts through 13 through 20. Uh, It says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so, sometimes we have a need. Sometimes just confess or our faults, so, like-minded believers. That's what, it, that's what it says when it means by one another. Because right here it's talking about other saved people. So confessing your faults one to another. And pray one for another. So we need to confess to like-believers and like-Christians. And, and then guess what? And then after that, when you confess to those like-minded believers then we need, Then they need to pray about it and then help one another by praying about it and also help if there's any help that needs to be given there. And then that we may be healed from the affliction. And so sometimes also when we wrong others, we need to ask them for forgiveness and tell them, oh, I messed up here. I did something wrong. And so sometimes we will do stuff probably wrong to the whole church. And if it's public, and then we have to publicly confess to the church when we do something wrong. And so, another thing is, for the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means we gotta give when they do confess to us. We gotta give our loving support because if we just be like, oh yeah, uh, we criticize them for their faults when they are brave enough to confess it. It takes a lot to confess your faults to another person that may not even be going through this. It it sure does take a lot. And they might be going through the same thing too. You really, you don't know. And so, you gotta give that loving support. And so people can show, so those people need to show their support and give their prayer. For the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so sometimes, for some stuff to be healed, uh, I believe that God will make you tell another person about it and allow for more prayer about that. I think sometimes God makes that happen. And it starts to heal the afflicted problem going on. And so, I been so second Saturday of the month, I've been going to this men's breakfast. And, and so basically, this is, we were talking about James 5, uh, 13, 14, well more five, sixteen. They talked a little bit about 13 but it was more 16 and they were talking about if we do this uh, there's a lot that's going to happen. Because some people they were talking, uh, some of the people struggled with stuff and the only way that they were able to uh, break free and get healed from it was when they confessed it to another person. And then they prayed over them about it. And they were talking about how this group is intended to be that. So if people do have those problems, that, they, that we are to be loving and supportive about it and confess, confess, be able and feel comfortable confessing about it if we're going through something. Yeah. Because when the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, when it says that, and that pray one for another, that ye may be healed. Yeah. That's, that's the power of prayer right there. And so effectual and fervent is serious and believing prayer. And so when we take that serious and believing prayer, that's effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, it will avail, be able, take care of the problem. And so uh, it helps make able and makes easier. And note the power of a righteous man's prayer it says, the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's, prayer is a pretty powerful tool. It, it does a lot of things. It makes joy. It makes peace. It avails the problem. And it does so much more. And so James, so 17 and 18, James decides he, that God told him, Guess what? You're using some Old Testament to drive the point home right here, and so, 17 and 18 says, "Elias was a man subject to like uh, passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth for fruit." So, Elijah's, uh earnest prayer, his serious prayer, and it rained not three and a half years on the earth. That that tells you, God listens to our prayer and God does some powerful things. That that drought was a great drought during the time of the king of Ahab, a wicked king that would not listen to the Lord. There was great famine going on. You can just look in verse 18 and it tells you, you don't even have to go back to First Kings chapter 18 and look at it. Because guess what it says? And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So, when the earth brought forth her fruit, there is dryness. So, basically, the earth, because there is no rain, and basically crops grow by rain, and photosynthesis, because of how the water works, and it takes oxygen, and so the earth stopped giving forth fruit. And it brought forth the fruit again. And... So, when Elijah prayed to give rain, God heard it, and the drought ended. And so, also, yeah, God has the power to end droughts too. (laughs) And serious prayer. And so, when you buy in the serious prayer, the results that God gives back are serious results. Serious prayer gives serious results. That's his... This was a serious prayer. There was a lot going on at that time. And serious prayer brought forth serious results. That's how God works. When you step in a little bit and say, I'm going to get more serious with you, Lord, he will get serious right back with you. And and then he will call you to step out a little bit more in faith and do a little bit more. (laughs) And so another thing is God is all-powerful. Just like there, when He basically controlled the weather patterns. And so it stopped raining. And then it started raining again. And so another thing is, James didn't end the letter at 518. There's two more verses. There's 519 and 520. So I want to take a look at 19 and 20 just for a quick second. And there's a little more that God had James to say. He didn't cut it off, and he didn't cut it off at 18. So 19 and 20. Say, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. And so, if any err from the way, and one converts to him. So, the unsaved right here, this is what it's talking about, how the saved people need the help convert the unsaved, and bring them back, and bring them to the way of truth and the way of life. And also, sometimes another thing, uh, backslidden. Sometimes you just, you have to pray for them, and if there is a chance to help bring the backslidden back, also convert them also, back into the way of truth again. And so, uh, a soul is saved from death. When a sinner repents of his way, a soul is saved from death. That that is really powerful what it says right there in verse 20. A soul that repents and confesses Christ as Lord and Savior, going on the cross with no blemish, that he knew no iniquity, but bore all iniquity. And he died and rose again. If an unsaved person admits, believes, and confesses it to God, a soul gets saved from death. And there's a second part too. And shall hide a multitude of sins. So, shall hide a multitude of sins. So, So, our life so, since we've fallen short, we have all sinned. And so, I've, I've fallen short. So, guess what? And so, when I confessed on Easter morning that I was a sinner and I have fallen short, and that for the wages of sin is death. Yeah. Right. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Exactly. The Bible also says, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yeah. So, Amen. I have fallen short. There's no, my good works will not outweigh my bad works. My bad works have made it because the Bible says no sin enters in the heaven. So I am doomed and going to hell. I realize that. And so I confess to Christ that he is Lord and Savior and he died for my sins. And guess what? Christ's righteousness has now, he's took my sin away and he is now hidden my sins. Amen. And and he also saved my soul from death. Where I was hell bound, he took me to heaven. And he can do the same for everyone. He does the same. He can do the same for everyone. The Bible says, Romans 10, 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. It doesn't say it's like few. It doesn't say, Oh yeah, so and so and so and so if they do it. It says, whosoever. So that means, whoever's here is feeling the conviction of the Lord. The Bible says, shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. He takes our sins away, and he says, guess what? But the gift of God is eternal life. He has now given us eternal life, if we confess to him that he is Lord and Savior. And, another thing is, so, Here, he was talking to the brethren. Guess what? We need to be witnessing the people and we need to be talking to people and witnessing the people about God. Because it says, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert them, because we need to be converting them and witnessing to them. They may not, most times, the first time you tell somebody, they're usually going to reject it. That's how it traditionally works. Some may not. (laughs) But... Most do. And so. But since. And guess what? If you get a second chance to tell them, tell them again. And if you get a third chance after you rejected the second chance, do it again. And just keep going and keep going. That's right. And another thing I like to note here. So, multitude. Multitude doesn't mean one sin, two sin, three sin, four sin, five sin. Multitude is a great number, it's a big number. So, God forgives. Our sins and so, and so, Christ. Another thing is, so when Christ hid our sins with His blood, He put His righteousness on our account, which is so hard to fathom. That He would do all this for us, that He loved us that much, that He would do this for us. That for God to love the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, that That is just a lot to take in. That God gave us that much grace, and he gave us that much mercy to give us that. And so, in conclusion, so one thing is, so, so in 13, we see the power of God to to solve our hardships uh, Slow, get rid of our affliction. We see the power of God through prayer. We see the power of God to give joy and peace when we praise him. And we also see the power of God to heal by prayer in the name of the Lord. We see that power that God has. We see the power of God to heal the afflicted, to heal the, the... Heal the faults, heal the struggling people that are struggling with sin in their life. We see that power of the healing by confessing faults to another. And finally, in 19 and 20, we see the power of God to save from hell yeah. by Jesus Christ. Amen. We see the power of God to put the, his account on us. We see the power that God has over the grave. Because he rose again, he conquered the grave. And so now he has he has the power over the death. And he has the power over sin because he lived a perfect life. His love is greater than our sins. He is greater than our problems and our afflictions. And um, pastor can bring up the altar call now. Because, yeah. But God is good. Amen. Amen. Thank you.